I have no idea what you're saying. Can you not understand me, or do you not understand my reference? I do not understand your reference. You don't have you not seen The Office? I am aware of The Office. You're aware of it, but you haven't seen the excellent, excellent TV show known as The Office US. I do not watch and oh have not, God. with any regularity or consistency or fullness, watched The Office of the US. Oh my God! Or the UK, for that matter. <laughs> You're lucky that Chase isn't here. He would, he would Chase be knows. so disappointed. In Chase you. knows. He knows. He knows. He admitted that. He knows that I haven't seen it. We discussed oh it on one God. of the other podcast episodes that you weren't part of. Oh man, was that was that a, a hard thing for you to confess to him? Uh, no. It would have been for me. It hurt my. This feelings. is a shocking relevation. None. None healing. None feelings hurt. Relevation. I knew what you meant. Yeah, that's bad though. Um. Wow. All right. Well. Well. Hello and welcome to Interface. My name is Adrian Lilja and uh, with me today is our good, good friend and new daddy, Ian Fuchs. <laughs> new daddy. It's been like new daddy. Eight, eight episodes ago, I was a new daddy. Seven episodes ago, I was still kind of a new daddy. I missed a couple episodes in there. And then now here I am back. And I suppose you you're always a, a new dad. Too. You're I'm, always I'm, a new dad until one of us has a dad or becomes a dad after you. Oh, is that how it works? It's it's not like a think so. you go from new dad. Like it's, I, I think of this as like the newborn thing. Like they are a newborn for some amount of time, and then they become not so much a newborn as they are just like an infant. So like I go from like new dad to just like regular dad. Old dad? Do you become an old dad at some point? No. Well, I mean, eventually, but <laughs> I am. I mean, Fuchs, old dad. I think you become an old dad when your child becomes a dad or mom. Then you're the old oh, dad. Oh, shit. Because you're, you're the former dad. No, you, no, you're a super dad then. You're a dad dad. Great dad. Which actually, in, okay, it's funny. In Swedish, the way that you refer to somebody as your grandparent is like, if you if it's my for, uh, my dad's dad, it's just far, far. It, it literally just dad, dad dad. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, think, I think I'll go with or that. Far, far, I, I will be dad and grandpa will be dad dad and great grandpa will be dad dad dad. That, no kidding. And then I, I don't remember... Where you go after that, but I think you just start using the number in front of it. So it's like "fu dad" and "fu far." Swedish is a hilarious language spoken by silly people. Andrew, anyway, Swedish uh, infatuation. So a couple, <laughs> it was like a week or two ago, I stumbled across these uh, the Rolly surfboard, seaboard, seaboard. Yeah, which is surfboard. I can't remember. Um, seaboard. It's this crazy like keyboard covered, like musical keyboard covered in like this weird sort of rubberized fabric and it's got all these sensors and you can like stroke it and squish it and pet it and, 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 and get a little intimate with it. And it makes crazy sounds. lets you play music in these crazy cool ways. As you'd expect and, from something uh, you do that with. Yeah. It, yeah. It goes, <laughs> uh, it, it hit the keys the right way. It goes, it's, um, it's a fancy dubstep MIDI pad. Kinda, but <laughs> yeah, like, you get a sweet drop, boom. But like far more advanced, right? Yeah. Um, and so, Roly R O L I is this company that makes a bunch of these interesting instruments that sort of, I mean, basically a keyboard, right? But it's got all these other cool sensors in it that allow you to do some really neat stuff. And what they say is a more intuitive way. And I was poking around in there, and I found this really up this cool thing that they have called blocks, which are just like 
what would you describe it as? You know more shit about music than I do. Um, Blocks was kind of the way it's I understood like a, it was. Uh, it was essentially a um, it's like a big pressure sensitive light thing. Right. It, it, it's essentially like a sixteen by sixteen. I'm guessing by looking at the picture of it, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, like I think it's four by four actually. Uh, if you actually look at the picture, though, all the the little dots on one block. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Is like sixteen by sixteen, and essentially yep. what what it gives you is like a somebody help me with the math on that. Whatever that is, total number of like triggers you can apply at different beats through a song. So it's essentially so it's, like a really fancy like MIDI pad where you can say on one, three, and yeah. four play this beat only fancier. So it's 225 LEDs arranged in uh, five by five rows and columns. So each each little like, square is a nine by nine grid. Okay. And uh, what what I thought was really cool about this was that so I've always sort of been interested in making music and have had absolutely no talent for it whatsoever. Uh, I don't know any music theory. Keys confuse me. The only thing I know about music is that seven times two equals twelve. Because like G flat and E sharp or something are the same notes. I don't really know. It's confusing. Um, but this sort of it represents it visually, and also it sort of just takes away like all like you. It, the way I look at a piano, and it's just like this mystery of white and black keys, and I don't see any pattern to it. Sure. And this sort of takes all that away, breaks it down, and makes it really easy to just sort of like tap and squish and stroke and play with it and do these really and make music in a really intuitive sort of way. Um, and so then that got me thinking about like tools and applications that allow you to do a lot of really cool stuff without having very much knowledge in the first place. Sure. And so, so a lot of these really simple like intro tools and like even, even simpler than blocks, um, like Keezy drummer or, uh, easy beats, uh, which are both iOS apps and may have Android counterparts. I have no idea. Uh, are very simple. Like you're essentially creating a like 16 beat loop. And so right. the idea is most music is very repetitive, at least from an instrumentation standpoint for some of this easy stuff, like intro beginner stuff, it might only be four or eight or 16 bars long. And so you're basically saying on this beat and this beat, do this sound and on this beat and this beat, do this sound or on this, 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 and this play this note or this tone. And then you can get even more elaborate than that and say like, with like blocks, you're actually taking that idea and you're saying, I want to make a whole bunch of these little mini segments that I can turn on and off on demand to right. then make a more elaborate song. Um, so it's, it's taking out all of the theory because the musical part of it, especially with blocks, the, the seaboard is a little different cause it's actually like a piano. It's a keyboard. Right? It's a key. It's a, a virtual keyboard or a, a digital digitized keyboard, MIDI board that you can do some stuff with. But, a lot of these like MIDI pad type things that are just for loops are designed to be super user friendly and you really can't mess them up because you can literally drop anything right. in and the only thing that you can really do is have something that feels out of time or out of place and you just move it to somewhere else until it's in place or in time because the actual sound that's happening is predetermined. Yeah, and, and there, there are some tools that are even like that prevent you from getting out of time and stuff. I'm thinking there's the... Um the propeller head figure, which is an iOS app. And like, you can set up rhythm and beats and that kind of thing. Like you can do like, you know, five beats in a four by four time or whatever time signature. Um, but then it locks you into that and you cannot play out of beat. 
um, and this is a really, I played with this for a long time, but I think what separates like propeller head figure and some of these other basic things from something like blocks and then further is that it's sort of like this gradient of increasing or decreasing holding your hand. So like on one hand you have these very basic iOS apps and on the other hand you have like logic and there's all these things in the middle that allow you to do a wide range of things with varying levels of skill. And what I really like about the blocks is how it can, it can take you from like a fairly low level, like me, hello, I can't do shit, to a, I would imagine a fairly advanced level. Um, it, it has a, a wide range of potential uh, depth and applications and abilities to do with it. Uh, whereas something like figure is much more basic. Sure. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I guess kind of to build on that, some of the more elaborate tools that are out there. Um, like we use, we use logic for editing the podcast or I use logic for editing the podcast typically, but that's not to the extent that like music creators use it. Um, but if you roll back like right. a little simpler than that, something like GarageBand, you can very easily create some really cool stuff. And, and I will say the, the iOS version, the iPad version of GarageBand is way more fun to use than the desktop version because very similar to blocks, there is a way with their drummer kit where you can actually build a, a pattern yeah. kit and it will base it off of what it knows about tempo and it knows about fills and stuff like that. And you can increase or decrease the complexities and stuff like that. And then they give you tools to create guitar or keyboard sounds, but they're all intelligently made. Mm -hmm. So you hit one button and it plays a full chord and it keeps everything within so that chord when you hit the buttons. Yeah, yeah. And so Blocks does that sort of thing. And that's what I think is really cool about these applications, this sort of design, is that you can use, you can, you can, fig, you can give people the option to do the sort of thing they want to do without having to make them do all the work for it. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, you can press one button and it'll play a chord. You can press one button and it'll arpeggiate a chord for you and that kind of thing. You don't have to worry about all the extra work involved in doing that yourself. Which means that it's really useful for beginners who, like, either don't know what that means or don't have, like, the actual skill to be able to do it. But it's also really good for people who just like want to mess, or, like people who know music theory and are like talented and stuff like that, and just want to be able to experiment without having to put a ton of work and thought into the actual technical side of it. Right, and I, I know um, a lot of people that uh, no, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I know a handful of people who like may not let their kids play games on an iPad or whatever. They want to avoid them like wasting time playing video games, but they'll give them an iPad with GarageBand and they'll let them play for hours. Oh, Be yeah. Because it's, and they will forever, too. Because it, it feels almost like a game because you're pressing buttons and there's things lighting up and, like, it, it gives you that, like, sensory reward of music. And at the same time, it's, right. it's teaching them rhythm and a little bit about song structure, kind of. And for a lot of them, it leads into they want to get a seaboard or uh, a little chord keyboard or whatever, uh, something they can actually play music on. And evolve right. into actual instruments. We talked about the uh whatever that weird guitar thing was many, many episodes ago. Uh Songsmith, Guitar Smith? I don't remember what it was called. Where you just like hit you just hit buttons and it played chords for you and it was like super simplified version of guitar playing. I don't know. We talked yeah. about it like episode four, five. Go back, somebody find it. And uh, let us know which one it was. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. It was like that weird, like that, it was like a digital guitar with no strings and it had like a screen and stuff on it. Yeah, that thing. So, like you yeah. have that kind of stuff where it's like, it's it's enabling the creation of music without the need for the education behind how to create the music. 
And and so, like you said, it's kind of opening the door for non-musical people to become musical people. Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up. So yeah. that's the Misa Kitara. And I actually think it it's is. sort of, that's, it falls on the spectrum, but it's at a different level, right? Like it's more at the, uh, that's, that's a tool that allows people who are already really, really skilled to do more with the skills they already have, as opposed to allowing somebody who doesn't know anything to do something really basic. But I also think that to some extent it may do the, the inverse of that. If you don't know music theory or don't know how to play a guitar, you can make some pretty cool noises out of that. Just, picking it up and pushing buttons. Right. Whereas like a piano, you sit down, you can make a lot of really disgusting sounds on a piano pretty quickly just by hitting a couple of key, the yes. wrong pair of keys together and, and you get a very displeasing right. sound. Whereas from something like that, where it's designed to create artificially beautiful music or artificially beautiful sound, yes, you can probably force it into making something less pleasant for an effect, but by default, it's going to try to make a pleasing sound for you. Right. And as I hate, sorry, I hate to keep bringing back this to the, the blocks, but I think they're a really cool way of doing it. So you bring up the piano and like the piano provides you like no hints at all as to like what's going to sound good together and what's not. And what I really like about the blocks is they have this, they, they show you, so you, you can set up and you set a scale. Uh, so like I want to play like in C sharp or like I want to play in C sharp in the Phrygian mode or whatever it is, like the crazy stuff like that. Stuff that I don't understand. Um, and then the the five by five grid becomes your display, and it'll light up to show you what all the uh, 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 the notes are in that scale, in that key, in that mode are. And then it'll it'll have the black it'll have black unlit squares in between, which will still respond. So you could do like you get like a little blue note if you're playing in uh, if you want to play like a bluesy song or something like that. But you can also just turn that off, and it'll only show you the notes that are within that key, which allows you to just like to not even have to worry about it. Like in my case, I can just like mess around and not have to worry about these sorts of things. But then also because it's a visual display, and it's colored based on how the notes relate to each other, you can begin to understand how the musical things actually like how all the notes fit together, how they're related, what the octaves are, and that kind of thing without having to know any information about it. Which is really great for me because like pianos intimidate the crap out of me. But this sort of thing, I can like sit down and be like, okay, here like my I think they're they must be the octave. Like if it's a C, those must be like the middle C notes, something like that. But then I can just figure out in between, okay, here are the notes I can play, they're all gonna sound good together, and I don't have to worry about it beyond that. Right. And I think any any tool that can reduce the barrier, break down the barrier between sitting down and creating something is is definitely something moving in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, it also leaves me a little fearful of like the future of some of these like creative artistic things. Um, Are you worried about a lack of depth in people's knowledge? I, just a lack of knowledge in general, because if you no longer have yeah. to learn how to play the piano because you can press one key and it makes a beautiful sound of multiple notes, all of a sudden the ability to play beautiful chords and creative things with your hands turns into I just have to press one button on my keyboard of my computer or touch a piece of glass on you know that's in my lap and it makes the sound mm -hmm. all of a sudden you you create this market of I don't know how to even word it like yeah it's like so these people artificial who, like, musicians can use tools but don't understand the underlying methodology right uh, that, that's, yeah. that's that's the popularity of so much music now is it's like, oh, well, this sounded neat. This is a loop that came built yeah. into the computer, and yeah. so all I had to do was add some words over top of it and put a flanger on my voice, and now I made a song. Right. Go download and it on the... the millennial whoop, and you're good to go. Yeah, exactly.
Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's funny you bring that up too, because even people who really understand music, like you know, professional songwriters, are uh, doing exactly that sort of thing. So, uh, every frame of painting, which is an excellent video series from uh, Tony Zhao, Zhu Zhao. I, I feel really bad. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, he did a video recently about why, uh, like the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has really terrible music that nobody can identify. And he it gets into this whole talk about how a lot of music these days for or film scores aren't actually recorded with actual uh, orchestras. They're all done on a computer using tools that are easy to do on a computer. And so, old scores, Star Wars, that kind of thing, used to be recorded with a lot of depth because you actually had to like sit down and write sheet music and then hand it out to people and rework it with an actual orchestra. But nowadays, you can do everything on a computer and you can get like an entire like string section playing a note just by pressing a key on your keyboard. Like literally, you can have it like, sound like it's just like the real thing. Then it lose you lose a lot of depth and sort of uh, it, it becomes more about serving what's on the screen at the expense of any part of the music having any real depth to it. And and it becomes really easy to not know how the music works at all and not be able to create anything interesting because you just do it all in a computer. Sure, I, I think there's there's an element of that that's really cool and interesting at the same time because it makes every experience with the music a little bit unique. If you kind of mm-hmm. follow what I'm saying, like if, if there's no set way to do it because there's no written way to do it and it's just sitting down and, and creating virtually like, yes, you could memorize the pattern that you do. And like, I click this, then I click this, and then I click this and the thing becomes the same thing over and over again. But it also opens up this kind of, I think the thing that has made like, electronic and house music and stuff like that really popular recently is that right. it, it's it's so variable because there's a physical person there who's who's changing it and as much as a dj may practice their set i guess that's the thing they do um as much as they like rehearse their set and do their thing like every performance is just that it's a performance it's a little bit different than the one before and it's never quite done the same so it makes each one this unique right thing well I think that, uh, I mean, like, elect- the ease of electronic music production now has meant that there's this huge diversity in it. So even if a lot of it isn't good, there's at least people who normally wouldn't be able to get into it. It's not a lot cheaper and easier for them to do it. And so there's a potential for better artists to come out of it, right? Right. Like, you'd have somebody who 10 years ago couldn't have done it, now could become, like, a worldwide sensation. Like, Avicii, that kind of thing. Um, but on the other hand, I think the, the, the DJs and the electronic music producers who are actually really, really good are the ones who actually understand like sound and music and how they all fit together. Um, and I know we go back and forth on this one a lot. I think like the avalanches who are artists who work purely with samples, they don't actually record anything themselves. They're just finding things from other places and sticking together to create new songs. I think that's a really incredible way of writing music. And it's not something you can do. Um, it, it's not something you can do accidentally, right? Like the tool you don't, you can't have any tools to help you figure out like that this track from, an ad from 1983 is going to work really well with this old horn solo from a 1950s blues recording, right? Right. And you I, have to have that knowledge, that ability inside. You have to know how the music is going to fit together yourself. And I don't discredit avalanches as doing something very unique. All I said was that it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea as far as listening. The, okay, what yeah, what they're fair. doing musically is is very, very creative. And, and like you said, it's there is no go to GarageBand and just pick the loop for the drum track. Like right. They're finding a right. bunch of sounds and making a drum track out of it 
or finding a drum track, like you right. said, from some ad, some Coca-Cola ad from 1981, and they're saying, this is the drum track we're going to use, or or whatever right. it is, versus you have a lot of your hip-hop artists and pop artists who everything is some slight variation of the same thing, and then they're just taking, like, default drum 001 from their loop library and dropping it in underneath, and occasionally... Right they'll they'll swap it out for default drum zero zero three, you know, for that fill <laughs> and then right back to one again. And and so you get some right. of that stuff where it's like let's just let's add some variety. Well it's just bad music, right? Yeah, um it's popular. It sells all it's, the time. Okay. It's probably because it's like it's simple and it's comforting. I mean you can, we can talk about that forever. We can talk about why Michael Bay is really famous or is, is so popular too, right? Um Lens flare. But I think, so this is where we're going to disagree, because someone like Kanye, I think, does a really good job of walking the line between popularity and really dramatic, interesting music, because he will take a lot of samples and break them down into their constituent parts and re-mess them and put them together and pull them apart and come up with something that's wholly new and original. That he, but he starts from a place where somebody has already worked from. He does that a ton with vocal samples to create stuff that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise, like taking down a sample of him of himself singing some notes, putting it through an auto-tune and breaking it apart until you get what sounds like a weird guitar riff. Um, but again, that's not something that a tool is going to help you do, right? That requires a deep understanding of how music and voice and sound works. Right, and and enough money to afford all of the uh, fancy tools to, to do it. Or, or <laughs> yeah. as, as I've understood, apparently the pirated copy of uh, Antares, which is the auto-tune software he uses, because there was a whole thing about that. I'll find the article. He was pirating it? He had a pirated version, yeah. I'll find the article for you. I mean, it makes sense. He used to be pretty damn poor. <laughs> not that's anymore, funny, but... That's very funny. Isn't that awesome? This stuff happens all the time, though. Like, even the big corporations, they'll pirate stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And it's it's only elevated to a funnier level because there was this constant feud between Dead Mouse and Kanye about it. Yeah. And And... Obviously, it went to Twitter because everything good goes to Twitter, and that's where everybody finds out about it. But it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's like a three hundred dollars piece of software, and he pirated it instead of paying for it. Good, good for you, Kanye. God. But like, like, like I, said, I don't want to. I'm not going to ever say that Kanye is a good person or a good man, <laughs> but he is a very talented musician. He is. He is a creative producer. I will give you that. <laughs> I I can't speak for his musicality personally, but what he can do. Sure with software with sounds is is very interesting unlike some of your All right. more popular pop artists who don't do yeah. anything creative <laughs> yeah i shouldn't say that sure. i don't want to i don't want to put off all of our listeners i'm sure there's a great pop artist out there there i mean there could be <laughs> maybe <laughs> so outside of music like what other areas this does this sort of stuff apply to I think it's really easy to think about it in terms of create like creative spaces. Um, in fact, just the other day, Koi Vin was talking about this new Adobe thing they're working on, um, where it, it's this, it uses machine learning and AI and stuff like that to basically do like the bulk of graphic design work for you for like fairly complicated tasks, like laying out a business card and making sure all the information on there is right and make sure the fonts fit together and the colors work together and that kind of thing. And it just it, it just does it for you. Um, but like, where are the other places where like you can use a tool to enhance your ability if you have uh, none? Um, I don't know. There's all kinds of jobs out there that the tools enable the 
the employee, the worker. I mean, you look at uh, software programming and software stuff like something as simple as using Xcode or Dreamweaver where you start typing code and it gives you your autocompletes. Mm-hmm. Or something where you can like literally drag and drop an image and it adds the code in for you. Like sure. that's software yeah. that's oh God. that's software that's enabling you without having to know how to do the actual thing that has to happen. Like you can build an entire web page in Dreamweaver without ever touching code. I'm not yeah, recommending it. Feel really bad about, but you. Could. I, I all of a sudden I feel really bad about what we just talking about because it's, it's like the wissy wig of music. Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot of this stuff, and like when if it's actually creating full songs, yeah, it's very much wissy wig of music. If it's you know, more like I'm just thinking around making sounds. It's more like whizzy wig of music. <laughs> you just can't win either way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously, machine learning can help, or and, and AI and stuff can help enhance these sort of things. But I do you think that the, definitely at some point there's going to be like robots that are writing songs and that kind of thing. Um, I wonder if that's already happened at some point now. But like, is that what does it mean? What is it? What is going to happen to our culture and, and our arts when so much of it can be outsourced to a robot, right? Like you can you could be imagining a lazy producer who wants to make some music and says like I don't really feel like writing the lyrics to this song, so I'm just going to have this robot go like assemble the most all the lines from the most popular songs of the last ten years, stick it together, and give me something new. My my guess is somebody's already done something similar, to, especially with lyrics. The uh, yeah. the issue becomes more noticeable when you start looking at like what's the meaning behind it and that most of the time people well i shouldn't say that people like songs for i think one of two reasons either has meaning to them or it's catchy and bouncy and musically entertains them so i think a computer could probably do that part where it's basically saying like i understand the hook of a song i understand the tempo of a song i understand using a major key because it's more positive than a minor key which makes you feel dark and gloomy and it could really easily say do this do this do this do this do this and probably spit out something that sounds decent um but i think when you want to add the level of meaning or complexity to it that's where i think based on what i've what we've experienced as consumers right now in ai and machine learning uh, all you're going to get is one snarky lyric and it's going to be terrible and we're all going to hate it. And <laughs> yeah. Um, see, I mean, I, I'm not saying that it, it couldn't happen in the future, but I think much like any other form of art, um, the, the story that goes with it is part of the art that people appreciate. Right. Sure. And, I mean, well, I'm sure a computer could, our robot arm could paint a picture, but are you going to like that picture the same as you do, you know, a Picasso or something like maybe, I mean, so I think about like, what if you're a musician and you are a terrible lyricist, right? Like you're just, you're just bad at it. I am. Um, but you, but like, you're really good at like all the other parts of it, right? You can like good melodies, good hooks. You can put it all together. You're an excellent producer. You can make a really good song except for the lyrics are total crap. Right. So like, why not outsource that to a robot that can do better than you? Why not outsource we don't it to make a person? Paint- well, I mean, we don't make painters like, make their own paint like what if you what if you're an amazing painter what you like picasso well i think he did actually make his own paint at some point but like if you're an excellent painter but you are garbage at making paint and that like that influences your ability to to make good art and so you just go to the store and buy good stuff but i think i think that's that's a false equivalency you know you're you're a musician you're not building the piano and playing it necessarily you are a musician you are although true musicians should be doing that 
don't build your own piano. It's really expensive. Um, yeah, that's that's my only reason is to not do it though. Um, yeah, the, okay, just the expense. Just the I expense, yeah. Nothing to do with skills yeah. or hurting yourself. Um, well, no, I mean, I have you not wound piano wire before? Like piece of cake. It didn't require that much strength. Right. Um, so, like I said, it's you, you can't compare building the tool and the art as much as you can. Like, I'm really good at painting scenery, but terrible at painting people. So I'm going to have a computer paint the person. No, you just don't paint. Oh, okay. You don't paint pictures with people in them. You so if if you're a musician yeah. who's really good at creating like beautiful melodies and beautiful rhythms and stuff like that, you just make songs without lyrics, and that becomes your art because sure. you're a sure, terrible lyricist. If you're really good at writing lyrics and terrible at writing the music stuff, you either try to sell your your lyrics to somebody who's written good music, or you release it as poetry. Uh, yeah, right. Although, uh, I've often found that people who are good lyricists are typically make it terrible, terrible poets. Yeah, I think it, it, it depends on, on how, if you, if you can write really good lyrics, but there's no music to go with them, you've just written a poem. So I don't know that that's, I, I, I guess, I guess, but I think, I feel like the really example, maybe it's just the kind of poetry, like the really exemplary styles of poetry are the ones that fully take advantage of the medium. So you've got like E.E. E. Cummings and his bizarre poems, and then you've got, I don't know. Like, I don't want to read the Eagles without any of their music. Right. And that's, that's, that's where, uh, musical groups becomes an important thing is you have somebody who's really good at writing the lyrics and somebody who's really good at writing the music. And that the combination of those two, when you can't do, if you can do one thing, but not the other, the idea is to have a group that does all of it together. Right. This is insane. You actually kind of blew my mind with that. I was like, Oh shit. You're talking about band. Oh, you're talking about bands. (laughs) Yes, bands. That's how this works. <laughs> well, okay, so there's actually there's an interesting point there, which is that as these tools sort of expand, it potentially means that there's less reason for people to collaborate. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, it's certainly a thing that could pro- uh, proliferate, sure. especially like, like I don't need to pay a drummer because I have a drum machine that can play better than any other human it's, ever could. It's perfect time and perfect fills and never, never loses a stick or breaks a stick, and it takes up... Well, the size of a backpack and doesn't have to well, even more than that even more than that like it, it has perfect time but we can make it sound like it has a little bit less than perfect time so that you can't tell the difference between it and an actual human right. drummer it, it, it has and that that already exists in uh the music memos app on ios which does require some musical talent to play with so i don't know if you'll you'll dig it as much as i do which one garage band uh music memos so it's like a subsidiary of, oh. so the idea is you sit down with a guitar and like you can play like whatever your guitar lick is and then it will listen to how you play and it'll adjust its time based on, based on your time. So if you speed up here, the drums will speed up and if you slow down, the drums will slow down and it'll throw a bass line in and speed up and slow down. But because it's not perfect and it can't perfectly read your tempo, it's doing its, be- its best, but it's not know 100 perfect there are actually times where things feel a little out of sync and it actually feels very very alive hmm. and and natural because things don't perfectly line up and I, i'm That's sure there's really lots of other stuff out there that does this also but it's music memos is very cool in the sense that it can kind of do the follow tempo and i know a lot of recording apps can can do follow tempo now um but that was just yeah. a really good simple example of it I wonder if we go on, we start to sort of have human-made music, we hold that at a premium, right? So sort of as now we have this movement towards like handmade, small volume sort of things as a luxury, 
we, as opposed to like mass-produced goods. We had the same thing for like, yeah, I listen to this new song, and everybody in it who wrote it is a human. There's no no machines involved. Like, how crazy is that? And it's actually really good. Like that kind of thing. I, th- I think you already, to an extent, have that. It's the reason that that you have a large demographic of people, and uh, what I see as an increasingly growing demographic of people that want more raw, natural music. You have people that flock to like a Jack White who does everything on like raw guitar into an amp, into a microphone, into a four track recorder or, you know, he's with a guitar, who, the missing habit strings, right? Like whatever, whatever junk it is, or, or a Neil Young who just released his album a couple like a year ago, year and a half ago, that was all him playing songs from forever ago. And it's like him with a single microphone and an acoustic guitar playing songs God, and recording. Like awful. it's, it's pretty terrible, but at the same time, it's super raw and super real as people really like that because it's not, you know, processed a thousand times over and digitized right. and converted and processed and affected. And so, yeah, I, I think you, you already have people that prefer human over the artificial. It's just how much more artificial will things get before you reach that tipping point where people no longer want the artificial and they say, I'm, right. I'm just tired of all the process stuff. Give me only the raw music. So the new punk rock is not like anti-establishment. It's playing exactly the same kind of music that everyone else is doing, but doing it only with humans. Right. That's some cyberpunk shit right there. You can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash 34. Uh, also, while you're there, you can like uh, like our Facebook page or get links to like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter or all of the social things. Um, go to Reddit, uh, r slash interface podcast and leave us comments about your favorite digital music apps, uh, or correct us on all the things we were wrong about. And, uh, as always send me emails and send in your emails. Yeah. Uh, hello at interface.fm and that'll do it as always. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday. Like clockwork. If I had the time to do it, I would totally write a, a new outro using just the noise app, but uh, I do not. So the interface intro was written entirely using GarageBand loops, live loops, and their live drummer on my iPad. What? Get out of here. Are you for real? Yeah. The enti- so the, That's the, incredible. The GarageBand iPad app, they have all these like crazy loops, and you can go in and tweak them and adjust them and change them, and like you can match this drum with that uh, synth with that this and that that so I made a whole bunch of those and then I pulled in a couple other wow. ones that didn't fit and now your mind is blown wow see yeah, see, you shouldn't have told me that because I was really impressed with your musical talents but now I know I, the truth I, some of it I, I like the, the guitar part that happens in the back that like chugging guitar part that was yeah. stuff that I added in on my own okay. but like the really like synthy dancey like the Kesha dance thing that's just a loop out of yeah, garage yeah. band. <laughs>